Welcome to Tiki Central, Canada. Ever wonder what is in that cool, refreshing drink that you just have to have on that hot summer's day? Mmm, yeah. Me too. Picture a man going on a journey beyond sight and sound. Wow! He has left society. He has entered Tiki Central with palm trees, beach sand, blue skies, and oh, God, get me a drink now. Here are your hosts, Craig and Cam, and their wacky views and drinks, life, and maybe information? So, Cam, oh my God, we're finally here at the Tiki Bar. I can't believe it. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy about it as well. But uh, to be honest, I think before we... Uh, and we do anything else, we should probably introduce ourselves. Right, because, you know, we're not quite famous yet. Well, speak for yourself, my friend. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yes, Mr. Vancouver boy. Yes. I'm famous in my own mind, and that's the only one that matters. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Depending on the time of day, right? Uh, yeah, without question. <laughs> so my name is Craig Stevens. Uh, I've been in the uh, hospitality industry for over 25 years. Uh, some of it mostly in the bar, being a bartender, bar manager, general manager, regional manager, all the good stuff. So I got to a point where, you know what, I'm like, why am I managing? I'm like the first guy in the building and the last guy out of the building, and I'm having the, probably the least amount of fun, and I'm doing paperwork, yeah. which I hate doing. That's the way it is. So uh, I got behind the bar again and scrapped management, and that's um, so what I'm doing now. Right on. Well, and uh, if, if I do say so, if I can say so, uh, you do a hell of a job. <laughs> well, thanks. Pouring your beer, <laughs> yes. that's Well, you know, you know. <laughs> I've got to keep my uh, bartender happy. Well, and my customer's happy, too, Absolutely, right? and you do a good job. So, Cam, it's your turn. Well, uh, my name's Cam, uh, and uh, I've, I've uh, lived in a couple of places in my life. Uh, born and raised in Vancouver. Uh, I spent a, several years in Asia sampling uh, the delicious beverages over there. I'm uh, sure you did. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, a lot cheaper over there, actually, Craig. Uh, I mean, Damn. You, you know, I know, I know you're not in charge of the pricing out here, but no. uh, you might want to tell not. management about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I've been, I've been living in Ottawa for about 13 years and, uh, been coming uh, to your workplace for a good chunk of that, I think. Um, and, since I've been there anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, what I'm hoping to do is, is learn from your wisdom because I am by <laughs> no means a drink expert outside of uh, delicious, delicious beer. Uh, and Mad Tom, mostly. Does. Indeed, yeah. Muskoka yeah, Mad sure. Tom is certainly my... Uh, is my, your choice of my, beers. My beverage of choice. Damn straight. Mm-hmm. So the first question, of course, we've always gotten from people so far is, why are we doing this podcast? Yeah. And I mean, actually, this is a question actually Cam asked me about when we first talked about this project. Mm-hmm. And so what ended up happening was that throughout the years, I've actually learned more and more, done more research on bartending and the drinks and stuff and all the methods that go along with it. And I get to a point where people ask me questions about, like, what kind of rum should I use? What kind of recipes do you have for me if I'm doing this? Uh, what should I have in my bar? What tools mm-hmm. I need? So and I got to a point where basically I'm like, okay, you know what? I should get this information out to people that I know. And what better way to do it than podcasts and YouTube? Uh, also kind of helps me get my name out there in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and absolutely. And, I mean, I, you know, folks, I can, I can tell you uh, from the bottom of my heart, this is a man with – at least three bars in his own house. <laughs> okay, yes. Well, you know, that's because the lovely girlfriend is patient and understanding and, hey, wants to support, but I had it. 
<laughs> so, I mean, I mean, one of the things that uh, that you've mentioned to me before, uh, you know, I mean, you're a bartender, obviously, but you've yes. also talked about uh, mixology and uh, and you know the, the fact tiki that cocktail. Well, yeah, the the fact that you have a tiki bar for crying out loud. Yes. So there is some differences between a bartender, a mixologist, and a tiki cocktail bartender. Let's go through this breakdown. So a mixologist actually is like the chef of a restaurant. So just imagine a guy that sits there, you know, six in the morning, gets there early, makes all kinds of prep work ahead of time and gets the dishes ready that he knows he needs for the day. And mm -hmm. so it's the same thing as a mixologist. You're doing a lot of prep work ahead of time, mm -hmm. like infusions and things like this. Now some of these actually take hours. Some of them take days, if not weeks really? to make. Uh, so a couple of infusions I've made in the past, like mango va uh, vodka, that actually takes two weeks to make that process. What the what? Yeah, it's mango vodka. So it actually has uh, the, the sort of the, the tinge of mango, the sweetness of it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's great. It actually, a lot of the cocktails, especially in a pina colada, because all of a sudden like, you get this mango taste. Well, I, I, I absolutely love mango. I'm, I'm particularly fond of uh, El Dorado hops, actually, which have a very nice tangerine flavor. But, uh, you know, mango's right <laughs> up there as well. Yeah, so that's the mixologist. So the, the kind of like the chemist, the mad scientist, you want to say. The chef. The chef yeah. of the whole thing. Right. Now then you have bartenders, which you see almost everywhere you go. That's a like, you. That's a me right now right. Uh, at a pub, casual dining chain restaurants and things like that. They pour beers, they pour wine, they make the odd cocktail. Nothing fancy, like the staple stuff that you know now. And then you have a tiki cocktail bartender. And of course, what is a tiki cocktail bartender? Well, a tiki bartender really takes care of the drinks that are actually known in the tiki culture. Right. So those are ones that are Polynesian oriented, Hawaiian, a lot of fruit, uh, a lot of rum, which of course the girlfriend wow. loves. Uh, she's all about the rum. So this it's and it's also like I said it's the the culture that comes along with it. So we're gonna go into that a little more depth further on, but that's the kind of the differences between the, th the three. Of them. Right. So so like for example, uh, you know this is going back a million years, but uh, you know the movie Cocktail. Yes. With, uh, with Tom Cruise. So, uh, we all know that so, one. Well, I've yeah. watched it a thousand times, my friend. I know. <laughs> so so what would you classify his character as? So he actually is just a bartender. Okay. And the reason why I say that, and I'm sure they get some slack on that. Yeah, he does some flair. That's yeah. what's actually called a flair bartender. There's a name for it. Yeah, exactly. There's Flares. lots of flair. I'm I'm not that great at flair. I'd probably break a bottle <laughs> before I actually would be able to spin it. So, right. But he's not a mixologist because he's not doing anything ahead of time. He's not mixing any cocktails or any infusions or making any special herbs for his drinks. He's mm -hmm. making just the regular drinks. Yeah, there are some fancy cocktails that he's making for sure. I actually made the turquoise blue. She is in the movie. Mm. Um, but again, just a bartender. Right. Cautionary tales. Wow. So it's this time that we talk, want to talk about, actually we're talking about drinks and stuff, the cautionary tales, and this is done by Mr. Cam today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and, you know, before we get into this, the, you know, cautionary tales are essentially just that. These are uh, tales of woe uh, brought to you uh, by me uh, about uh, now, poor life decisions I made. Yes, and let's just emphasize something here, folks. These tales we're talking about, okay, we're young and silly and, you know, Typical, like, you know, teenagers and young adults. So uh, yeah. we're not encouraging people to go out and get plastered. That's no. what we wanted to mention it to saying, okay, these are just tales, and I'm ever sure has got their own. But these are tales of, like, you know, you've got stories that you've got that you tell, you know, your kids and your grandkids and your friends. And, like, oh, my God, I can't believe what happened this weekend. 
that's what these are. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and just to be clear, I mean, if I ever do have kids, um, I'll be waiting until they're fully fledged adults before sharing any of these. Tales. Exactly. Uh -huh. So, anyways, further ado, do, Cam and his lovely cautionary tale. All right. Well, this is uh, this is cautionary number cautionary tale number two, uh, <laughs> and uh, it is titled "The Paintball Incident." Uh oh. <laughs> so it was a quiet, calm, balmy night in early summer. One year when I was maybe 20, 21, far too long ago. And I had been planning to spend the rest of the evening quietly at home, basically doing nothing and maybe playing some video games. And the phone rang. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> it was my buddy Paul. And Paul wanted to go out drinking. And I said to Paul, no, you know what, man? I think I want to have a quiet night. You know, I don't really want to do anything. I'm not going to go out. And... And, uh, and he replied, well, look, just come out for one beer. You know, it's always one beer. It really is always one It's not one beer. beer. It's, it's not one beer. Now, I mean, the nice thing about one beer is that, you know, it doesn't actually state how large the beer will be. Uh, that's true. So uh, I agreed. And uh, another buddy of ours, Steve, agreed to be the designated driver. He uh -oh. borrowed his dad's uh, shiny new Volvo, and, uh, and he drove us to our local pub called the Pioneer's Pub. And in those days... Uh, you could get a, a pitcher of Molson Canadian for $7.50. So that's the one drink. That's the one drink. Uh, so Paul and I sat down, and Paul ordered a pitcher, and I ordered a pitcher, and we finished our pitchers. And one of the great things about the Pioneers Pub in those days was that they also had free popcorn. Uh-oh. Okay, so you just you just <laughs> grab yourself a, a salad bowl, and you go up, and you scoop up some popcorn, and you, you know, nosh that down as you're swinging back the suds. So then we decided, we looked at each other across from across the table, and he said, another one? And I nodded my assent. Uh-huh. You caved. Uh, well, it was a challenge at this point. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Paul and I had a couple of pitchers each. Uh, I wasn't a big guy at that point. And, uh, wait, wait, wait. You're not a big guy now. Hey. <laughs> I was a little. <laughs> um, and then uh, after a quick pit stop at my house to pick up uh, my vanilla ice cassette, uh, we uh, we headed wow. to the grocery store and picked up a gallon of Sunny D and uh, then quickly off to the liquor store to pick up a uh, 40 of vodka. We uh, then shared the 26, or, or pardon me, the 40 of vodka and the Sunny D yes. and headed downtown with our buddy Steve driving. We eventually ended up at... Uh, I wouldn't call it a house of ill repute, but it was pretty close. Um, and uh, I had essentially blacked out at that point, but, you know, my buddies managed to get me back into the car, and we drove back. But then Steve made one critical mistake. Uh-oh. He stopped the car at Paul's house to let Paul out. Why is that a mistake? Well, my stomach wasn't ready to stop. And ah. so I promptly, uh, you know, threw up into the... Uh, uh, magazine holder on the back of the front seat of his dad's car. Oh. And then I fell asleep again. So Steve got me back home. I stumbled to the front door, covered in my own sick, um, which I should note was uh, yellow and from the Sunny D and chunky from the popcorn. And as I struggled to get my key into the front door, my younger brother opened the door, looked, took one look at me, looked me up and down, and asked, did you go to paintball? <laughs> Okay, now I get it. Okay, yes. Yeah. So there's oh, the multicolor paintball. I got you. Okay, and that is my cautionary tip. Oh yes, and again, we're not encouraging it, but Absolutely hey, it not. happens, right? I paid it for happens it the next day. Yeah. So um, uh, you know, now that I've uh, given my little tale of woe there, <laughs> oh no, um, uh, you know, you, you started talking a little bit about uh, tiki 
tiki culture tiki yes. bars. But yes. I mean, what is tiki? Because I'm not I'm not an expert in this. Okay, so tiki culture uh, started in North America in the 30s and 40s. So soldiers came back from the war. And they were basically stationed in places say, like, say, Hawaii and things like that. Okay, and they like were in the Pacific, enjoy uh, the tropical yeah. drinks that came along with it. So the tiki culture started then. Uh, a guy named Ernest Gant, okay, opened mm-hmm. a bar in 1933 and in California mm-hmm. and called it Don the Beachcomber. Hmm. Now, his name is not Don, but he hmm. called it Don the Beachcomber. Hmm. So anyways... Most of the, the, the decor in this, this restaurant, okay, it was all Polynesian. So things that he collected through all these journeys. He's gone to Hawaii. He went through all the Caribbean islands. He was in China and all these mm-hmm. other places, mystery places that we, we never get to venture to. Right. Or at least some of us don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so people would go there. And the thing that was amazing about this whole thing was that the ingredients and recipes were secretive. So he didn't want anyone to know his recipes or any of his drinks. So they Why couldn't not? duplicate it. I see. So you had to go there to have his drink. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so proud, I imagine. this is how secretive actually was, Cam. Mm. The recipe, even for the bartenders, was not known to them. So what ended up happening was that they would see a recipe, you know, an ounce of bottle A and an ounce and a half of bottle B and a spice, uh, a couple of dashes of spice C or something. Okay. Mm-hmm. So even the mm-hmm. bartenders that worked with him didn't know the recipes. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. So then another guy named Victor Bergeron. Okay. Well, that uh, sounds like a good Canadian name. He actually is. His family base is actually out of Canada. So, yeah. So he owned a restaurant down in California. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to laugh every time I read this this this, this name. It just I can't. Hinky Dinks. <laughs> now, what does Hinky Dink mean? I have no clue. I am still assume. researching it. I have no clue. Uh, I have to assume it has a different meaning than it would have. Today. I'm not even going to uh, ask. I don't even want to know what's on the menu. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, anyways, he had this place called Hickey Dinks. He went and visited Don the Beachcomber's bar. He uh, loved it so much that he shut down his restaurant, rebuilt it, reopened it under Trader Rick's. Wow. Now, Trader Rick's, okay, is another chain that's huge across North America, especially in the States. And actually, there is a Trader Rick actually in Disneyland. Oh, really? Yes. You go there and you've got like these sort of animatic parrots and things in the whole place. It's very tropical. Sure. Yeah. And they've kind of Disneyfied it. Yeah, of course. You know, Disney, right? right they got to, right, you know, right. add their spew to it. <laughs> but one of the reasons why this whole thing took off back then, okay, after Prohibition, um, and what Prohibition was actually, folks, is from 1919 to 1933, mm-hmm. or ish, I'm pretty sure it's the number, mm-hmm. um, there was no alcohol allowed consumption in North America. Oh, sorry, in, in the States. I see. So in the States, you were not allowed to drink alcohol against right. the law. Prohibition. Exactly. Right. Now, after Prohibition, well, rum was plentiful because Caribbeans were not part of the Prohibition. They were still pumping up rum like crazy. Right. right. But the whiskey and the bourbon were like non-existent because it takes time to age these things. Oh, right. So they weren't ready. You they know, weren't ready. It's going to take a couple of years. Exactly. Okay. So rum was plentiful. So also, this is another reason why tiki cocktails took off because rum is cheap. Now, that's going to be worse, actually, knowing you're allowed to drink alcohol, but knowing you won't have access to it for a couple of years. Well, I have to imagine that people jumped at the chance. Well, here's the funny thing is actually Canada did not jump on prohibition, and we actually sold our whiskey to them in the black market. That's what I like to hear. You know, like Al Capone and those guys. They yeah, bought whiskey yeah. from us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So... So what's your connection with, with uh, tiki culture? Why why are you into it? I mean, you know, we're in literally snowy Ottawa at the moment. <laughs> That's right. 
So the reason why I went into tiki culture and actually got into the tiki tricks and stuff like this is that we actually, me and my girlfriend, travel every year in the wintertime to just kind of escape winter. Sure. We're all Canadians. We all know the winter's harsh. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing better than been sitting on a beach in the middle of February and drinking Mai Tais. So we did a lot of traveling and we've gone a lot of places. And everywhere we go, we actually pick up rum along the way. And also, too, we actually yeah. learned some culture about the place and some of the recipes because some of these guys are very easily to give up the recipes. They actually hmm. they work for resorts. So okay. to them, it's no big deal. They're never going to see you again. And so they actually give up these recipes very willingly. Um, so when I came back to Ottawa and we've been, like I said, doing these trips, all somewhere in our backyard, we're like, we need an oasis. We need an oasis, something to escape from society. You know what I mean? We all have that Friday afternoon. We're like, oh, my God, I got to get away from it all, right? So we had a pool installed in our backyard, and mm-hmm. we were kind of like, okay, it's not quite enough. Okay, so we added some palm trees. It's still not enough. So then we actually built or had it built a tiki bar customized by me. Wow. Yeah, wow. by a country. Uh, it's a company out of Montreal. So so hold on a sec, Craig. Yeah. You, you're telling me we wandered through this jungle, and we could have just been hanging out in your backyard? Yes, exactly. Uh, at my tiki bar. Yeah, but it's snowing right now. It's all wrapped up. Oh, true that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so on my tiki bar is all the artifacts, just like just like these guys, uh, Don Beachcomber and Trader Vic. I've got stuff slapped all over my bar from around the world. That's really cool. So it sort of has your memories in it as well. Exactly, and mm-hmm. you know what? People love to hear the stories about where we got this stuff from. Yeah. So I mean, I haven't had a chance to to actually see the full tiki bar because yeah. you know it's all wrapped up for for winter time, like you said, but. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what like what a bartender really needs to make tiki cocktails? Yeah, sure. So you're looking at the ingredients, the tools, and the glassware, and of course you have to have your tiki music, right? Bongo drums, steel drums, all stuff. Okay. But okay. I think the most important part I want to cover on this is basically the ingredients. So mm-hmm. all out there, uh, there's, like I said, there's all kinds of recipes out there for all these different kinds of drinks. So I actually did all the research and went back and found the original recipes. Mm-hmm. Now, you're like, well, Craig, they were secretive. How did you find them? Hey, well, yeah. <laughs> so a couple of these guys, Trader Vic, actually published some books. It has oh, the recipes okay. in there. Okay. Uh, and I'm sure Don Beachcomber kind of caved eventually and, you know, sure. through time, yeah, yeah. sold off the recipes. And actually his wife, is well, now ex-wife, um, <laughs> she actually <laughs> took over the business. So I'm pretty sure she was more than willing to have a book released with all the ingredients and all the recipes in there. Right, monetize that stuff. Exactly. Right. Now, here's the thing. These recipes have ingredients that are hard to find. And through the years, it did has taken me some time, and of course, the patience of my lovely girlfriend, <laughs> to help me out to find some of these ingredients. Huh. What, what, what do you mean exactly? Like, what kind of ingredients? Because, I mean, quite frankly, you know, I mean, we're pretty lucky to live in an age where you can pick up a pineapple at your local grocery store. Yeah. Well, there are some that are really difficult. So I'll give you an example. Uh, a vanilla bean soda. So a soda that tastes like has a infusion of vanilla bean. Now, when I first made this, I actually did the hard way. Strip a vanilla bean down, cut it in half, strip it down, put it into the the rum, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, the soda, and then infuse it and hope to God it sticks. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Right. So it's a hit and miss. Okay. So eventually, I'm like, there's got to be an easier way of doing this. So we researched, we looked around, we you know went to different places, and sure enough, in our own superstore, we actually found vanilla bean soda. It's actually in the health, you want to call it the gluten-free oh. uh, cardboard aisle, I'll call it the cardboard aisle. Right, right. <laughs> right, because everything yeah. down there is cardboard, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was that's the place we found it. So so it's a vanilla soda. It's it, it, Is it like baking soda or? No, like a vanilla bean. So you know when you get like vanilla ice cream sure. or yeah. – um, I'm trying to think of another way of explaining vanilla. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like vanilla. I mean, you have that vanilla sweet taste. But so it's a drink. Yeah, it's a soda. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Okay, okay. I yeah, yeah. You. I gotcha. So, and then another thing else that we did, too, is uh, ginger beer. So if you make a Moscow mule, you need ginger beer. Mm-hmm. Okay? Ginger beer is actually, you know, you think, like, well, it's easy. I'll just go to my store, and there it is. Yeah. Some stores don't carry it. So we looked around, looked around, and finally found it actually at Bulk Barn. So, so and ginger beer is different from both alcoholic beer and uh, ginger ale. Ginger ale, correct. So okay. ginger beer was originally actually made with beer. Sure, right. Uh, of course, now now it's not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, used for Moscow mules. Oh, okay. Well, that's very cool. And the one I get actually is from Jamaica, so it's really good. Very nice. Yeah. So some of the tools also, let's talk about that. Some of the tools that you need. Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, like I've seen, you know, you got like the shaker, you've got little glass rods and, and this kind of thing, right? Yeah. So I know like, you know, when you're looking at a bar, like, okay, some of these things actually are they really important. Do you actually need them to do the drink? Mm-hmm. Or are they just there for show and flair? Yeah. Now, there are some parts, you know, you'll see guys, especially guys doing flair that, yeah, they're doing some of the stuff for flair. But mm-hmm. some of these tools actually are important. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. So if I made a Mai Tai... Okay, and right. just poured all the ingredients into the drink, into the glass, right? So sure. I got a glass, yeah. I put some ice in there, I put my rum in there, and I put my lime juice, and mm-hmm. my uh, almond mm-hmm. juice, and my carousel. Right. Right, and we'll get into my ties in, you know, in the next episode. Sure. But if I did all that and just slapped it in there, okay, I'm going to get a different taste and texture than if I take it and put all those ingredients into a shaker and then strain that into a new glass with new ice. Really? Yeah, it's going to be completely different. So um, you, I'm pretty sure you've had this. We've all had it where you get a drink, right? You take that first sip and it's like, whoa, pure alcohol. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and that's what it is because it hasn't been stirred or shaken in any way. Okay. 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 And there is differences between staking and sure and sorry, stirring and shaking. I see. Yeah. So, so James Bond was actually sort of onto something. So James Bond actually his my his martini is actually made incorrectly. Oh really? Yeah, I know it sounds weird, but actually uh-huh. it's made incorrectly. So a martini when you have nothing but liquor in it, it's supposed to be stirred. So you have your you have your sweet fruit, so your dry vermouth, your gin or vodka, and you basically stir that why in a that? mixing glass. Well, why, what, yeah, like why is stirring better or than no. shaking? Yeah. Okay, so when you stir something, it's all alcohol. Okay, it's going to blend into each other no matter what. And when you're stirring, what you do is you're actually chilling it down uh, and adding a little bit of dilution in there from the ice. I and see. then you strain yeah. that into a martini glass. Sure, yeah. Now, if I shake a martini, okay, mm-hmm. so I took the exact same ingredients, so you drive a move in your vodka, and I shake it, mm-hmm. and you put that into a glass, you will actually see there's air in there. So you're actually adding air pockets into the drink, mm-hmm. also fragments of ice as well. Sure, yeah. So yeah. you're like, well, well, then why do we shake something? So the reason why we shake something is because when it actually has something that's not alcoholic, say lime juice or pineapple juice or something like that, right? if I try to just – and you see it when you pour it in a glass, they all separate. They won't mix together. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like well, layers, like, like chemistry, like, right? Like different densities. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. when you basically put those into a shaker and then you shake it, you're actually force-feeding those molecules from the pineapple juice to infuse with the vodka. Hmm. It actually is like kind of chemistry 101. Mm-hmm. And then when you strain it, so then you're actually adding also to the the water and chilling it down at the same time. And like I said, you'll get a better product. And that's what you see. Um, if it's a real bartender, he's going to do it correctly. I see. So, I mean, what about all the different uh, kind of, I guess you call it glassware? You know, I mean, a martini comes in this, in my opinion, extremely unwieldy glass that I inevitably <laughs> spill all over the front of my chest. So... I don't know if you know this or not, but actually the co- it's a cosmopolitan glass, a martini glass, yes. Okay. 
The glassware that we see today is completely different than, say, from 1930s, 1930s, 1940s, mm-hmm. okay, or even early 1900s. Mm-hmm. The drinks back then were no bigger than five to six ounces. Oh, okay, really? so when you get a Cosmopolitan or a Martini, it's maybe like five ounces. That's it. Wow. Okay. So what ended up happening, especially with the Cosmopolitan, was that good old Sex and the City came out, and it was famous to have this gigantic Mart- you know, Cosmopolitan glass, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with a big old drink in there. And that's kind of changed the the, the culture of it. That basically, a, a bigger glass is the way to go. Right. So, so sort of boozier and more bigger is better. Bigger is better. Yes. Right. right. Where before the drinks were is more about the drink and not the glass. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so the glasses then are essentially um, just a cosmetic choice. Um, also, too, but back then people didn't drink as many drinks in a session that we do now. So in the 60s and 70s, we actually had a change in culture when it came to drinking in society where people would just want to booze it up. They want to get drunk and they want sure. to drink as many drinks as possible. Sure. Before that, it was more about – and if you actually look at some of these old drinks, okay, like the aviation, um, some of the original drinks, mm-hmm. they were more potent. They were more strong like really? alcohol-wise. Really? They weren't polished off like we know now. Yeah. And you just didn't suck these things back. Yeah, you got you wobbly like, legged. Yeah. Like, example, yeah. one it still has carried on throughout the years is a Negroni. Right. Negroni is a very strong drink. It's not something where you have three or four of those in a night. It's okay. you have maybe two. Right. Right. And that's it. Exactly. I see. Oh, okay. So, so then, you know, with all these components, I've also seen a lot of, you know, when I'm looking at a bar, there's also a whole bunch of you know, little bottles or like, you know, little, little confections and that type of thing that seem to be, you know, I've seen used in, in what I would call kind of fancy drink making. Right. So like some of them are bitters. Okay. Well, okay. what, and, and what are bitters? So what bitters is, is something like, say, like, say, let's take orange bitters, for example. Mm-hmm. Orange bitters is concentration of an orange. So basically the orange peel, the orange rind and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Very heavily concentrated, and then it's actually infused in with a spirit, be mm-hmm. it rum or vodka, mm-hmm. and then it's basically distilled and uh, filtered. Okay. It's super concentration. So um, I'm trying to think of something I can associate with. Let's say, you know, like, you know, remember when we were kids and we had uh, Kool-Aid? Sure. Okay, yeah. so Kool-Aid, yeah. you actually had to add water to it, right? Because it's super oh, concentrated, Oh, yeah, without right? question. It yeah. was massively concentrated. So it's yeah. the same process as bitters. So okay. bitters is super concentrated. It actually only takes a couple drops. A couple of uh, That's yeah. it to, in, right. in a drink. Right. 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 So yeah. that's what you see there. And, of course, other things you see is infusions, like I was talking about with mixology. Mm-hmm. Okay, very interesting. Did you know? Did I know what? So Bacardi, a very famous rum around the world, Actually, probably okay. where the most has the most sales when it comes to rum. Right. Um, actually, is bottled in Puerto Rico. And uh, hey, uh, we're talking about this today. I guess we should uh, pay our condolences to people in Puerto Rico, obviously. Yeah. No, absolutely. Our hearts really go out to uh, to all their, their their struggles recuperating from uh, just just one heck of a, a stormy season. We wish them the best, and uh, we, you know we hope uh, the recovery takes as little little time as possible. There's actually I think something like something fifty percent of people still don't have power. It's it's unbelievable. Mind. Yeah. So, anyways, Picardi is actually manufactured in uh, sorry. Barbados. I know I was going to eventually get it. Barbados. So, yes. So Bacardi is actually made in Barbados. So it's manufactured in Barbados, yeah, right. then bottled in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, exactly. Yeah. Because it actually goes through quite a volume. So here's some tales and things that you don't know about the bottling system of Bacardi. Mm-hmm. 
Picardi on a yearly basis uses 300,000, okay, it's 300,000, that's mm-hmm. three with five oh zeros behind it, mm-hmm. liters of rum to clean their bottles before they actually put the rum in the bottle. So you're going to be like, well, why don't why we just don't use water? water. And, you know, and that's what you'd be thinking. I thought that too. Yeah. But what ends up happening is that they can't use water because it actually just takes a chance of actually lowering the percentage of alcohol per bottle. So they actually had to very strict rules of making sure that that alcohol content that's in that bottle is exactly what it says on the front label, 40%. Right. Well, and I guess the best way to do that is to, you know, use alcohol to clean. Exactly. 300,000 liters a year gets thrown away. Done. Oh, Gone. I'd be willing to drink a little bit of dirty alcohol. I, I'm fine with that, wherever the refine is, you know, wherever that, wherever that goes off to. I want to know. Oh. So you, another question that people also ask is, what's the difference between proof and ABV or alcohol per, what is the uh, bottle volume. volume? Yeah. So when you hear 80 proof or 40% alcohol, so the yeah, they never seem to match. I well, actually, if you know it, actually, is exactly half. Oh really? Yeah. So what it is is that when they make the batch, the batch is say is 160 proof. Mm-hmm. Okay. That means that when they bottle it up. And actually, when they do Bacardi, they actually have to add water to it. So to get it down to 40%, when it gets to the bottling factory, it's actually at 80% alcohol wow. per bottle. That's a whole heck of a lot yeah. of alcohol. So yeah. what they do is they have to actually add water, one-to-one ratio, to bring it down to 40%. Okay. And and is that for, for taste reasons or is it legal reasons? No, for legal reasons. It's you legal. have to be 40% okay. alcohol. Right. Yeah. Right. To serve it in like the States or Canada. Or Canada. Right? right. Exactly. And so that's um, something about Bacardi. And actually, I was watching the video on this, and it's amazing. So the bottles go through the lines at 60 miles an hour. Yeah. And 120,000 bottles get done in an eight-hour shift. So, And that's nonstop. They, wow. they don't stop. So wow. 120,000 bottles in an eight-hour shift get bottled and shipped out on a daily basis. Man, I pity the, pity the poor bugger who uh, accidentally knocks one of those bottles over. Yeah, at 60 miles an hour... You don't want to be anywhere near that, right? Because no. then the glass is just going to be flying over. And actually, the, the employees, she are behind glass when she operates the machinery. So that way, if the, if the glass breaks and flies everywhere, they're actually protected. Probably a good idea. From the um, yeah. Sounds like a smart idea, I'm sure. Yeah. So that's basically the show, our first show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, a couple things you guys should know uh, coming up. We're going to have a YouTube page. And we also do have a web page right now at tikicentralcanada.ca. So don't be afraid to go visit there, and you'll see our smiley faces there, me and Cam. <laughs> um, another thing we're going to do is called a mailbag segment. So at each podcast, there will be a space on our webpage and also probably the podcast where you actually input comments, questions, or anything you have uh, towards the podcast. So if you have some questions, we're going to do those as a mailbag segment on our future shows. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading some of these things. I still have a lot to learn, and uh, but, you know, I'm not always sure as to what questions to ask. So hopefully, uh, you know, you folks out there are, are going to help me out. And uh, hopefully I'll have the answers. If I don't, I'll do some research and, you know, I'll get right back to you. So that's the show. What do you think, Cam? Oh, I think it went okay. Yeah, not too bad for a first one. Shouldn't we get a drink now? That we're just, we fought through the jungle just to get to this bar. I got, I got to say, all this talking's made me very, very thirsty. I'm thirsty, man. I'm yeah. ready to go. All right, let's uh, let's shut things down and go. Uh, I'm making a batch of Mai Tais. I'm on my way. Tasty tropical drinks. All right, later, folks. Take care, guys. Well, I don't know about you, but I got informed. Hey, guys, right? Hey, where's my drink? Hey, where's my drink? <laughs>